What's going on, people? It's your boy Kalechi back with another episode of the Ramblin' Mind Podcast. How are each and every single one of y'all doing today? I'm not happy. I am not happy right now. Real Madrid just got kicked out of the Champions League, and I am not happy. And of all teams, of all the teams to lose to, well, it's not that bad that we lost to Chelsea, but still, we're supposed to be smacking Chelsea. When did we start losing to Chelsea? When? Ah, it's so sad. It's so, I'm just, I'm not happy at all. How are we going to lose to Chelsea? And of course, my boy Nietzsche hits me up like, get destroyed. I'm just like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it from you. I don't want to hear it from anybody. Just like, ah, ever since we got Hazard, I blame Hazard for this. I blame Hazard. Like, we got that dude. That dude has just been useless from Madrid. Hasn't been on the field. Has been consistently hurt. The little time that we have him back, he gets hurt automatically again. Like, it's just like, man, what, what, what are we doing? What are we doing? It's just, oh, it's so sad. It's so sad. I'm just like, how did we lose? How did we lose? The- I, I, I don't even know what to say. I don't, I don't even know what to say. I don't know. It's just, it's so painful. It is so, all I could think about was... Not winning that game the rest of the day. Look, I, I just I can't process information. My whole day is just, just, just gone. It's just I don't even know what to say, man. It's too painful. Like how, 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 how we let this happen? Anyway, anyway, let's get into the stories for today. We got a lot to get into. We got some sad news that we'll get into at the very end with Bill Gates and Melinda Gates decided to call it quits on their marriage, which we'll talk about that at the very end of the show. We got some fun stuff with Man United fan. As you guys know, I'm a Real Madrid and Man U fan, so you know we got to talk about both of those teams and what they did over the weekend that was kind of dumb. But we'll talk a little bit about that, and then we'll talk about, of course, we got to touch on the Super Bowl for value investors, which was Bill Gates and Charlie Munger talking to investors during the Berkshire Hathaway annual shareholders meeting. And I'll just talk through some of the high points from the meeting that I think that anybody who's trying to be an investor, anybody who's just trying to learn one or two things from the legends and the greatest of all time when it comes to investing, will probably get some insights. It's not going to be a too long of an episode today, apart from me rambling about the fact that Real Madrid lost. Oh, God, it hurts. It hurts. My very soul. It hurts. But anyway, let's get this thing started. After unprecedented government spending, the economy is finally on the precipice. Who uses the word precipice? But anyway, the economy is finally on the precipice of being back to pre-pandemic levels and everybody gives it a nice little golf clap. On Thursday last week, the U.S. recorded its highest GDP growth for a quarter in over three, repeat after me, three. And what does three decades mean? 30 years. It grew 6.4%. This is according to the Department of Commerce. We are just 1% off of the pre-pandemic economic peak. It is expected that the U.S. will continue to grow for the rest of this year at an annualized rate of about 6%, which has not happened in, in decades. Like we said, in over like three decades, this has not happened. Typically, in the last couple of years, in the last few years, the U.S. GDP has grown at about 3% a year, which is just a little bit higher than the rate at which inflation grows. 
Now, of course, when you hit zero, there's almost nowhere else to go but up. I mean, then again, we do have deflation that could have happened and we do have worse things that could have happened. But nevertheless, the fact that we went through the pandemic last year gave us a whole lot of room for growth because when everything starts back up, GDP growth, of course, explodes in line with that. Also good news was initial jobless claims fell for a second straight week to its lowest level since the pandemic began with only, and I say only very loosely, with only about 553,000 new jobless claims being filed. I say that loosely because pre-pandemic numbers was around 200,000 every week. So we're in that range of like, we would take anything we can get because it's better than what we current, what we had before. We will get the full month of April's job number on Friday. The expectation is that we will have about 1 million, say it with me, 1 million, that's six zeros by the way, jobs added in the month of April. Now the boom has mostly been fueled by the various stimulus package, you know, the thing that everybody was fighting about, and you know, the money that we got in our bank accounts, well, I didn't really get anything, but regardless has been mostly been fueled by the stimulus packages that were passed to aid the economy and by the easy money policy by the Federal Reserve that was implemented very, very, very quickly last year. McDonald's was amongst many stores reported that same store spending is hitting pre-pandemic levels, which is an indication that people are back moving about again. With COVID, COVID cases being controlled with uh, with COVID cases being controlled by the vaccine, with over 100 million people being fully vaccinated and life beginning to return to numbers, case numbers have dropped in the last few weeks from about 66,000 a week to under 55,000 a week. And as a matter of fact, because of that news, the New York mayor announced that New York will be fully open in July of this year. And that's a big deal because when New York went into lockdown, I mean, I just went there recently visiting my family and I was like, yo, there's still a lot of people. And my sister was like, no, 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 no. This is not New York. Like this is, this is like, you're seeing the, 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 the shutdown version of New York. You're seeing the kind of, Ooh, we're kind of coming outside a little bit version of New York, but that ain't New York. But anyway, it's opening back up and the CDC just gave cruises the green light to start sailing the high seas again in mid-July. But the biggest announcement, in my opinion, because I'm a shareholder in this company, is that Disney is opening its Disneyland parks in California after being closed since March of last year. And you can guess what happened. It sold out immediately. So things are looking great. As a matter of fact, Biden just announced that his aim is no longer for most people to be vaccinated. His aim is for 70% of the public to be vaccinated by, I believe it's August of this year 70% right now we have about I think it's about 40% of people in the United States have been fully vaccinated so that's a great number and but we, he's still trying to aim for ire because the less the more people we can get vaccinated the more likely that we can kill this bug the more likely that we can kill this whole coronavirus situation that we have going on and then they won't be able to mutate and go to all other kinds of places but anyway Things are looking great here in the United States, but not so much in other parts of the world. India is facing a major outbreak that's creating new variants faster than you needing to go to the bathroom after eating Taco Bell. Like seriously, what exactly is in those tacos? Like, y'all had them, right? Like, it's just like, that was like, by the way, in college, we had a meal 
like now they demolished it and everything but there was one area in our college where it was like where you could get food and i used to hit up taco bell all the time they had those quesadillas and i used to go there all the time let's just say that your boy put on a few pounds when he was in college like your boy is not he's not the dapper looking fellow that he is now like he put on a few pounds and he had to look himself in the mirror and be like is this what you want to be as as older nigerians would be like hmm my friend is this who you are is this who you really want to be like look at your mates i mean the thing that really got me was my brother came home after one year of college dude was looking swoller than a swole was trying to beat me up and i was like enough of this noise yo i need to hit the gym because this ain't this this should not be happening my little brother out here trying to beat me up still until this day he's still bigger than me so you know that's unfortunate and whatever just you know he's salty but what can you do it's just you know your little brother becoming the big brother Moving on from there, last weekend was the Super Bowl for all value investors. We had the Berkshire Hathaway annual shareholders meeting and we got access to hear the investing legends, the greatest of all time, the Oracle of Omaha, we bow, and Charlie Munger, who literally doesn't really say anything. They spoke for over four hours. Now, the most impressive thing of the entire meeting wasn't the fact that they answered question wasn't the ways that they answered the question wasn't the wisdom that they were able to embowel upon us no 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 no. that was not the most impressive thing the most impressive thing was they went for four plus hours and didn't even need a pee break they didn't even need a pee break and it wasn't even like they were just decided we're not gonna drink water throughout this thing they were drinking cokes the entire time they were drinking cokes it was such an amazing thing to watch, man. Like, I actually watched the entire four-plus hour thing, uh, four-hour show. It wasn't really a show, but four-hour shareholders meeting, and there was so much insight. There was so much insight. And I'll say for anybody who is trying to learn how to invest in stocks, trying to learn how to pick stocks, definitely at least watch the first 15 minutes. I'm going to link down that video down in the description. I did a breakdown of this, so go check out my YouTube page. Because I know some people don't want to listen to uh, <laughs> listen to Warren Buffett talk because he is a 90-year-old man and his voice is not exactly where it once was once upon a time. So it might get annoying. I listen to everything at two times speed. So I broke it down on a video that I put out on my YouTube so you can go check that out. But I just want to share some of the highlights from the, from the meeting and some of the things that he talked about in the meeting that I think is just awesome so the first thing that he talked about is that he believes that for 90 percent of people for the majority of people then this is warren buffett having an s p 500 is the best investment that you can possibly make he actually would recommend the s p 500 over his own company which is berkshire he actually would tell people yo if anybody asks him like what should i be investing in his answer is always the s p 500 the reason for this is the top 20 companies if i told you like if you looked on on any stock list like if you went down and said listed the 20 largest companies in the world right now if you just went down the list you would see companies like microsoft you see companies like apple you see tesla you see my google you see amazon you will see all these companies the top 20 companies the question you have to ask yourself is 30 years from now are these going to be the exact same companies 
in the top 20? Are these going to be the largest companies 20 years from now? That was the question that he asked everybody during the meeting. And of course, you know, me, I was like, yeah, definitely. Microsoft's going to be in there. Apple's going to still be in there. Maybe Tesla, I don't really know about them. Because <laughs> making manufacturing cars is expensive. So I don't really know about Tesla. But Google definitely going to still be in there. Because, I mean, we all use their services. So there's no way. I, I, mean, I was like, at least five companies going to still be around. And still going to be one of the top companies in the world 30 years from now. And then he was like, cool. Check this out. And then he brought up another list from 1989. And he said, these were the largest companies 32 years ago. Not a single one of the companies that were the largest companies 30 years ago remained in the top spot, remained the top 20. At which point I was like, okay, you checking me now. Like you, you coming after my heart. Like, come on now. You know, I love my, my Microsoft and I love my Apple and I love my Google. Like, what you trying to say? What you trying to say? And he was just like, you can't predict what might happen. And that's why he was, he was of the mindset like your best bet is to invest in something like the S&P 500, which if you had just invested in the S&P 500, at that point, the S&P 500 was about 300 points. Now it's over 4,000 points. In other words, you've done more than 10x since 1989 to now. So if you just invested in the S&P 500, you would have been fine. Because as those top companies, I mean, the largest company at that point was the Industrial Bank of Japan. And that company was worth $104 billion. And everybody was hyping like, oh my God, this company is worth $104 billion. And today we have Apple, which is worth over $2 trillion. So, you know, <laughs> it's literally 10 times the size of that company. But the point was, actually more than 10 times, like 100 times the size. But the point is, the point is, I know it's 10 times. What am I doing? Why can't I do math right now? 20 times, not 10 times. Golly, I can't make math. But anyway, but the point is you're better off just investing in the S&P 500 into a diversified portfolio because times will change. Things will change. There will be some new technology, some new thing that knocks off the companies that we believe in. Once upon a time, GE was the premier company to work for in the United States. That ain't the case anymore. But his point was just, you're better off investing in something like the S&P 500, which will diversify you and protect you in the long run. Because as things grow, you will have new companies that come into that situation and you will continue to make your money. So it just was so good. Like that was just the first thing. The other thing was he talked about, they asked him about Bitcoin and Buffett. Buffett, like the politician that he is, because... He always trying not to make people mad. He actually said it. He said, I'm not about to make two people happy <laughs> talking about how I'm Bitcoin short and make 100,000 people mad at me. So he just said, I'm passing. On the other hand, Charlie Munger is that guy. He's 97 years old. He don't give no flying anything about anybody. Charlie Munger was like, I, I'm just going to say it and speak my mind. And Charlie Munger said, and I quote, I think I should say modestly that this whole damn development is disgusting and contrary to in, to the interest of civilization. End quote. So yeah, I think uh, Charlie Munger doesn't like Bitcoin too much, you know? Charlie Munger is not really a fan of Bitcoin very much. He's just like, you know what? Bitcoin trash. I don't like Bitcoin. But this is actually very much in line with Charlie Munger. Charlie Munger kind of hates the financial industry. Charlie Munger finds them to be a lot of... Uh, what's the word worms and leeches so he doesn't necessarily like a lot of financial instruments his whole problem with bitcoin is 
why are we building up another financial asset institution for people to pump billions of dollars into it rather than doing other things with the money rather than trying to develop things that's actually going to be better for society however in my opinion i don't agree with charlie munger on this because there's the whole idea of a blockchain that exists that that is a lot more interesting than bitcoin in and of itself the blockchain is a lot more interesting which is why nfts are so interesting um there's a lot of stuff that's happening in technology that i don't think maybe i mean I, i'm not gonna go against the legend i mean he's a legend for a reason however i still think that they're not necessarily right because one of the things that i've, I've always i've come to realize is sometimes you can you can agree with somebody on a lot of things and still disagree with them you can look up to them but still disagree with them on something that you find a little bit different or you think about differently so i still like charlie munger i still listen to everything they say however i disagree with them on when it comes to cryptocurrency because i think there's a potential of what it's going to look like in the future i don't know what that future is going to look like i'm still trying to understand my little brother is trying to help me understand what that future might look like but i still think there's a major future ahead when it comes to the blockchain technology of cryptocurrency so that's just something that he talked about of course they mentioned robin hood and once again buffett said robin hood has been a key player in the way things ha have become because and i quote taking advantage of the gambling instincts of society and it isn't admirable it creates its own reality for a while and nobody tells you when the clock is going to strike 12 and it's all turns to pumpkin and 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 mice so pumpkins and mice and you know he's referring to the cinderella story which is something that we've seen that happen with gamestop i mean everybody was buying hopping in on gme buying calls on gme and then all of a sudden the game came to an end and then boom of course, Robinhood fired back and said, oh, the world doesn't want any more elitism when it comes to investing. But the problem is, Robinhood, when you start using payment for order flows, which incentivizes brokers to find ways to encourage people to make more trades, that's not necessarily making uh, investing more accessible to the public, which I'm not going to lie. Robinhood did a great job of making investing very accessible with its fractional shares and all these other things that it did when it first came out i'm not gonna lie i use Robinhood. i still use Robinhood. however Robinhood, you can't lie that you don't incentivize people to to buy and to trade and to gamble on stocks more than any other platform like that's that's facts and if, as a matter of fact in recent news Robinhood just announced that it made over 331 million dollars which when compared to the same time last year they made 91 million dollars from payment for order order flow so a lot more people are investing a lot more people are trading I, I don't think most people who use Robinhood are investing I mean most people are trading most people are using it to uh, do a lot of option plays which more power to you if that's what you want to do on Robinhood but I'm just gonna say guys be careful especially right now everybody is on Dogecoin on the Dogecoin train but again I'll say it please be careful please be careful just remember that you are the product for Robinhood the more that they get you to trade, the more they get you excited, the more the bright colors lit up and the more things make you excited and you get into trading and trading and trading more often, the more money they make off of you. But the problem is you may not necessarily be seeing the efforts of your labor. You may actually be losing a lot of your money. So just be careful. Just be careful. So, of course, they asked them about SPACs as well. And Buffett said it has hindered their ability to make deals because unlike a regular deal, a SPAC can spend a bunch of other people's money. And if they overpay, it doesn't matter as long as the SPAC manager gets his fee. 
So that was another thing he talked about. He talked about inflation. He said, and I quote, people have money in their pockets and they pay higher prices. It's also a buying frenzy. We are raising prices. People are raising prices to us and it's being accepted. I mean, we talked about it. I think we talked about it last week where I said Coca-Cola is increasing their prices. Johnson and Johnson is increasing their prices. And these are not products that are like, oh, these are one-off products. These are staples. And usually when staples start to increase their prices, it means that a whole lot of other things are going to increase their prices. The thing is, you're not even going to notice when they increase the prices. The way they increase the prices is very subtle. So instead of you buying a thing of paper towels, a tub of paper towel or a roll of paper towels that usually had about 180 rolls in it or 180 sheets of paper in that paper towel. Now for the same price, now that roll will just have only 144 sheets. That's how they nickel and dime. That's how they adjust the prices. You won't notice a difference in price. You won't even notice when you pick the item up because there'll be nothing for you to compare it on the shelf. It will just be yeah, we're just going to reduce the amount that we put on one roll to make sure that we are, um, we can get our margins back. And that's what's starting to happen. And Warren Buffett was just talking about it. And as a matter of fact, on Monday, what was her face? Janet Yellen came out and said that if the economy starts to overheat, we're going to have to increase interest rates, which, oh my gosh, not yet. I still need to buy a house, so please. But then again, the other reason that house prices are so expensive is because of interest rates. So it's something that we've all been thinking that at some point the Fed is going to start reducing their easy money policy and the Fed is going to start reducing how much of bonds they're buying every single month. But it's basically somebody coming out and actually saying it sent the stock market into a into a wave storm like the stock market was in shock it dropped like two percent for the sp 500 the nasdaq dropped like three percent the dow on the other hand actually shot up a little bit on that news because a lot of the companies in dow don't depend on interest rate environment and then they asked warren buffett on esg investing and him investing into chevron buffett was like i have no problem owning this business because why not? I don't think that this business is going to be dead anytime soon. So he decided to invest in them. Also, the final question, one of the questions that was pretty funny that was that Warren Buffett was asked, or rather it wasn't him that was asked, was asked to the, the chief insurance officer, Ajit Payit, I think is how you say his name. And they were asked if they would insure one of SpaceX uh, rockets that would be going to Mars. And Warren Buffett said that it depends on if Elon Musk was on board or not. <laughs> As the fight between, if you don't know the history between Warren Buffett and Elon Musk, they asked Warren Buffett once upon a time if he would have invested in Tesla, and Warren Buffett was like, nah. And then they asked him what he thought about Elon Musk, and he said, ah, you know, I'm not the, he said, I'm not the biggest fan of Elon. And then, of course, Elon fired back, was like, I never saw anything great about Warren Buffett either. So they've been going back and forth for a while. So this was just another one of those takes. But yeah, so the final, the last few notes, one, Let's talk about the fact that Man U fans decided they were fed up with the Glazers, who are the owners of Man United. They were fed up with the way that they were running the team. And then after the Super League event, they decided enough is enough. And they stormed the field. And then they ended up having to postpone the Liverpool game that was supposed to happen on Sunday. So that game got canceled. They're going to postpone it to another day. I don't know what's going to happen as far as the people who were were involved in it but they didn't really do anything all they did was walk on the field and then shortly after being on the field they immediately left 
from the field just to show their frustration which at the end of the day is still breaking that entry you're still breaking the law there are a lot of other ways that it could have demonstrated their frustration with the team i don't approve of them doing that but however i can still understand because the glazers they've been doing some nonsense they've been doing some nonsense and they're not the only team that's frustrated with their owners liverpool fans are in the same boat because after what happened with the super league they're like get out we want all these american owners to stop putting their fingerprints all over our sport and trying to do nonsense and bring their americanism to our sport and ruin the whole beautiful game that we have going on over here so but at the end of the day they don't own the team the team is owned by the glazers and owned by all these billionaires and these billionaires kind of like to stick it to everybody else <laughs> so they're not about to sell the team why would they they're making billions and billions of dollars off of the team so why the heck would they be like yeah let me just sell this team so i can have a good like no they don't care like what is their business there's their money it's their team they can keep doing what they want to do as far as the business is concerned now one other fun little thing before we move on to the saddest news of the day the White House is launching an artificial intelligence initiative website, AI.gov. The idea is to get artificial intelligence back on the mainstream and to make information about it more readily available to teachers and to students. In recent years, the U.S. has fallen behind mainly China in its push in the field of technology and science. This is one way the U.S. can incentivize and push for excitement in these fields, which is one of the things that the government is actually a lot better of doing than having to rely on private institutions when the government makes a push into an industry it has the back end of the fact that it can just kind of print money and do whatever it needs to do to get that information out to every single school so this is just good news i just found it interesting because as we're moving into a more technologically savvy world i think it's very important that the information is being made available if you have friends around you let them know about it. Maybe they, maybe they can talk to their physics teacher and talk to their computer science teachers and all these other things so they can go to this website and actually teach students the things that they will be needing in the future. Even if it's just one class, sometimes it takes one class for that idea to spark in that one young person that will be able to go on to do greater and better things. So I just wanted to share that for anybody who might have access to students and want to share some great information for the students who are might be interested in this field of AI. And now to the sad, sad news of the day. The saddest news of the day. It's the, it's the one news that I was not expected. It came out of nowhere. It was a massive shock to me when the tweet got put out by Bill Gates and Melinda Gates, where they announced that they will be ending their nuptials, that they will be ending their marriage. After 27 years, they said, and I quote, uh, where is it? Yeah, they said, and I quote, they're going to continue their work towards their foundation, but they no longer believe that they can grow together as a couple in the next phase of their lives. So, I mean, this came out of nowhere. It's It came out of nowhere. Like, these are Bill and Melinda Gates. Like, as a matter of fact, let me just put into concept just how massive they are and how, ma how big of a deal this is in the world of just philanthropy, especially. Um, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation was founded in 2000, and according to some accounts, it is the largest private foundation in the world, with more than $51 billion in assets. The foundation is dedicated to addressing global health care issues, improving early childhood education, and lifting people out of hunger and poverty. It poured in over $1 billion to help the fight against, against the COVID-19 
pandemic. I mean, it just, I, I just, I, when I saw this news, when I saw this news, I'm not going to lie, like it came out of nowhere and I was in shock. I was in major extreme shock when I saw this news. I was like, what, what? Like where? Like how? Why? How does this come out of nowhere? Like it just, it was just like, what the, what is going on? But then I started recounting a few things. In the last two years, we've seen a few billionaires go through divorces. We've seen Jeff Bezos go through a divorce. Now we're seeing Bill Gates go through a divorce. I mean, on a smaller scale, we saw Kanye and Kim, which to be honest, I didn't really care that much about them. Uh, but, you know, they went through, they're going through a divorce as well. And I was just like, these are people that we will classify as successful. These are people that we will classify as good. These are people that we will say that are what we aspire to be like. Like everybody uplifts billionaires. Like that's one thing that everybody loves. It's like, oh my God, do you see the greatness that this guy's doing? Or do you see the greatness that that guy's doing? But one thing that is becoming apparent and very clear to me is all we see are the pictures. We never know the details before the picture. All we see is the flash. We never know the details behind the picture. All we see is them at different events. All we see is them doing all this community stuff. All we see is all of this other stuff, but we never know the details of what's going on in the background. And one thing I'm starting to realize, I started going back through, and I looked at Elon Musk, for example. Elon Musk has been married three times. And I think now he's not married, but he's he's living, he's in a, uh, what they call it, a state type relationship, whatever. He's living with somebody else. Well, he's, basically, they're married, but they're not really married. Jeff Bezos is divorced. I keep going back. I look at the history of a lot of people. And you see like these great, these people that will command and say, these are great businessmen. And these people did so much for society. Something that I keep going back to is just like, they did so much for society. But in their homes, what, what happened? And this is not like, I'm not trying to throw shade. I'm not trying to do any of that stuff. But I'm just asking, I just started to ask myself is, what is it all worth if because one thing that everybody keeps talking about in this whole story is the money the money oh how's the money gonna split up how are they gonna do the whole money i could care less about the money i care more about the people because i'm pretty sure neither one of them ever saw that this day was going to come to pass so there's a lot of hurt there's a lot of pain i mean i've broken up with two people in my life i've, I've dated two people in my life broken up with two people and both times it has hurt extremely bad extremely bad now a lot of it was on me it was my fault i'm not gonna trip on that but regardless it still hurt so think about spending 27 years with someone and then having a call of quits because something is just wrong because something is off in their life because they just can't seem to mesh because they just can't seem to grow anymore I would implore every one of us because I know for a lot of people who hear my voice, for a lot of people who watch my YouTube videos or any of this stuff, you guys are aspiring to grow your wealth, to be good, to be great in life. Do not let your ambition force you to sacrifice the things that you deem more important. Do not let your ambition, your pursuit of greatness to force you to sacrifice the opportunity to have a happy, loving family. Because the greatest thing in this life is to love and to be loved. Is to love and to be loved. It doesn't matter if you solve world hunger 
But if you're walking down that road, that road alone, it hurts. It hurts. I keep going back to history and I keep seeing the same things. Some of the greatest people in history were alone. So I will tell, I will share this to everyone. Do not aspire to be like billionaires just because you see all the money. Because the money ain't going to solve everything. As they say, money don't buy happiness. And as, what's our guy's name? Uh, man, why am I forgetting? I'm forgetting his name. But anyway, like he said, more money, more problems. More money, more problems. There's a bunch of other things that we will never see that these people are going through. So focus on what the most important things are. Do not sacrifice things that you deem to be more important just because of a loaf of bread. It's not that important. It is not that important in the grand scheme of things. It just isn't. So just, I mean, I don't even know what to say now. Because one of the things I was bragging to a friend of mine, and I told him like, everybody aspires to be like Elon Musk. I was like, nah, I aspire to be more like Bill Gates and uh, and Warren Buffett. And he said, why? I said, these are two dudes that have built businesses and grown their wealth and didn't get a divorce. They still, Their family still loves them. They still hang out with their family all the time. But then this news came out and I was just like, damn. I was not expecting that at all. So I'm just saying, it's great that we can have amazing, great businessmen, but it is never as great to have an amazing, great family, in my opinion. Now, I could be wrong. You can correct me. You can reach out to me on Instagram, reach out to me on Twitter, but that's what I think. I don't think there's anything greater than to be able to go home to somebody that you love, to tell them everything that's on your mind, to be able to share that with somebody else, to be able to just, anytime anything happens, call them up and be like, yo, this just happened. I don't think there's anything greater than that. But that's just my ideal. I'll be praying for the Gates family. They said they're going to continue their work, but just not in their marriage. But I wish everybody who is married, who is aiming to be married, I just pray that you will never, ever go through anything like this. Because even just the little, you know, the little breakups that I've had, I don't call them little because they hurt a lot. They hurt a lot, like I said. They hurt a lot. Just those little, those, those relationships that I've had. And I was not married to them. I never stayed with them for 20 plus years. But it still hurt. Because we shared something. And then we had to break those things away. So imagine spending this much time with somebody. And then having to dissolve that. That's a part of you. That's a, that's a part of you that you're having to separate. But anyway, that's all I got for y'all. I hope y'all learned one, maybe two things out of this entire thing. And if you did, hit that. What am I doing? That's my YouTube outro. (laughs) If you enjoyed this podcast, share it with at least one person that you like and one person that you hate. And then share it with one person that you feel indifferent towards. And by that point, you'll share it with everybody that you know around you. But I'm going to catch y'all up on the next one. Remember, generosity is always greater than greed. God bless each and every single one of y'all. And I'm out. Peace.